Welcome to Gimcrack Videos. How can I help you? Hi. Hello. Yeah, we're just uh, browsing for something a little different. Well, have you tried our Forgotten Classics section? Is that the one that's over there under the sign that says Blighted by God? Oh, found something. Have you seen this before? No, I've never even heard of it. Perfect. Wonderful. Enjoy your selection. <laughs> <laughs> you know we're still here, right? <clears throat> oh. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on a New Year's Eve special episode of Found on Shelf, the podcast where we tell you everything that you never wanted to know about movies that you wish you had never seen. And tonight I am your party host, Dustin, and joining me is my good friend Patrick. So Patrick, I wanted to find a movie that neither one of us had seen, that was entertaining, it was a horror movie, and it was based around New Year's. How did I do? Well, you know, the thing about New Year's is every year you make all these like resolutions, right? And try to see how long you can go before you keep them. And my resolution this year was not to watch a movie that makes me want to jab ice picks into both of my eyes and gouge them out so I never have to see anything quite so horrible ever again. And wouldn't you know it, two minutes in and I've already fucked that one up. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Oh, my goodness. So uh, today, for the uh, uninitiated out there, we are talking about the... Uh, hold on. Where'd my note go? I even forgot what movie we're watching here. We're talking about the 1987 horror slasher film, Bloody New Year. It's a British horror film. Yeah. Um, I had never heard of this movie. Uh, I never heard of this movie, and I seek out New Year's horror movies. <laughs> that's, it, uh, that's a statement that will shock no one <laughs> you just you seek out insert anything here horror movies <laughs> <That's true. laughs> give me a little twist or something entertaining and i'm all over it just wait till arbor day <laughs> well this movie is uh streaming for free right now if you'd like to watch it um it is on tubi streaming for free or uh vinegar syndrome has the uh as the blu-ray out which has the director's commentary on it as well which is what i got to listen to so this is amazing this is the first vinegar syndrome release that i don't want to spend money on <laughs> you've, you've cured me the intervention worked dustin yeah so um so i guess patrick if you were if you were oh god how do you i don't even know how but i'd like to hear your attempt at describe at giving your elevator pitch for this movie yeah, so if I were to pitch this, if you'd ever like to see like the worst quartermass episode you could possibly imagine, or mm, Doctor Who, if it was just drained of all of this good stuff that they throw in with the cheesy stuff, it's just. But quartermass <laughs> feels feels more accurate. Um, it's just okay. That's not selling the movie. That's describing the film. <laughs> let, 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 let's sell the film. All right. All right. All right. 
do you ever feel like watching a New Year's movie in July? <laughs> yeah. Have I got a movie for you? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, one, one more one more time, and then I'll, I'll let right. you take it away. Um, all right. Crack my knuckles. Just think off the dome. What's What do we got? What do we got? Okay. Would you like to watch a horror movie in which absolutely nothing happens and you will struggle to remember if you actually did anything with the previous two hours of your life? <laughs> if you said yeah. yes, I'd recommend therapy and also Bloody New Year. Yeah, and it's it's it is interesting um that um throughout the director's commentary, he the director did mention several times that's the beauty about doing a horror movie is it doesn't have to make sense. You can just kind of do whatever you want. <laughs> well, that like, explains oh. a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> I was like, oh, that is not quite uh, accurate, but uh, yeah, anyways, it was interesting that you mentioned uh, Dr. Who, if that makes a cut, um, because there were uh, parts of this movie that was filmed. That little seaside resort area was actually used in a Dr. Who uh, episode as well. So that was your that was your first of of many fun facts about this film we got going on. Oh, who would have guessed that a British movie about time would happen to intersect with a British TV show about time? And interesting enough, they were both filmed around the same period, and they both took place in the fifties. So we were supposed to have scenes that took place in the fifties, which is kind of weird. They just used the same sets, didn't they? No, no, actually, ah. they built all the sets, which I was really? amazed by. Yeah, really? there's, there's a. They the, put effort in this. I, I gotta tell you, the director's commentary made me actually like the movie more, which was nice. But I do have a wonderful uh, trailer for this movie. Oh, please! I would love to hear how <laughs> this was how this was pitched to people. I, for for anybody that is used to listening to our show and hears normal sound bites, I, I got no sound bites for this movie. <laughs> it's just no real memorable lines. But I do have the trailer, so here we go. It started as a day out, a trip that held the promise of fun and pleasure. But for Rick and his friends, the fun ended early when they landed on Grand Island. For those who dare, face a horrifying and bloody new year. by the dead, threatened by evil, chased by the unknown, terrorized by monsters.
in the Hotel of Horror. They can check out any time, but they can never leave. What started as a day to remember ended in a bloody new year. And it just cuts. The movie likes hard cuts, even with the trailers. It sounds really cool. It sounds like a like a traditional grindhouse trailer. It sounds like a traditional horror movie. It's uh, none of those things, but it just sound like one. No, I, your your uh, your first reaction in a in uh, that you wrote to me after sitting through this movie was, it's a horror movie that I don't think was intended to be scary or entertaining in any way. <laughs> it sounds harsh, but it's true. <laughs> it was a bit rough. So yeah. Um, Let's just get into this movie, man. It was uh, it was it was interesting. Okay, so the 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 movie first of all immediately hits you in the face with the way it starts because there's no like 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 fade from black. It's just credits, right? And it is it is black credits. It's red. It's blood red credits on a black screen. But it's like just immediately, boom, starts. Um, the thing that, that jars you though is the music they have been. <laughs> the music they have been is very like upbeat synth music is like poppy and fun and i'm like and immediately i i got this huge smile on my face i thought this this is hilarious this movie is going to be fun uh right. whether it knew it or not i thought this was going to be great i was brutally wrong but immediately <laughs> I, I was very hopeful uh, and from there when the credits actually they start to as they go they start to have like old like fake old footage of like people partying in a new year's a uh, uh, party in 1960, so you, new, 1959 to the 1960s New Year. Welcome in the New Year, and then it finally uh, pans out to take up the whole screen in black and white, and you're like, "Why are we still here?" But then it fades to color, and you're like, "Okay, so the movie's actually starting now, but it's still the party in 1960. It's the after party. People like everything's just ravaged. It's the it's like the end of the night, and there's like ten people left, and they all." Kong out of the room as if that is a thing that you do at three in the morning and then uh we're left with one person who sadly goes up to a mirror and is looking at a reflection in the mirror and her reflection pulls her through is that an accurate description of this opening yes did you mention how it changes from black and white to color yes because that was also kind of cool so i thought that was a really cool intro yeah it's it sets it up to, to make you think that it's a horror movie it definitely feels right. like you're 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 on board for something, right? You're not the movie has not lost you yet. No, and um, so it's interesting. This this is uh, some of the commentator tidbits that I got here. Uh, so this is just the location that they found in in South Wales, and they didn't have a budget to pay anybody to actually mm -hmm. be extras to fill in for all these people. But no. one of the members of the cast, yeah, surprised they had like no budget. Um, was a member of the Rock and Roll Preservation Society. And he got all the other members of this preservation society to just show up. <laughs> Him and like, Dexy like, Midnight Runners. Basically, they said, you give us sandwiches and something to drink and we'll be there. And they already had like time period costumes because that's just who they are. So yeah, they just kind of showed up and danced around and made it work. That was the thing in the 80s. People were obsessed with the 50s and the 80s. I don't, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. It's and, the 30 year nostalgia cycle. Yeah, it's happening now. Uh, oh, God, the, the year like 2000 is going to be in the 30 year cycle soon. 
<laughs> I would like to forget that early 2000s culture happened. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, like, like, like he said, uh, um, oh, the, the room looked like they had a party and it was all just a mess everywhere. So the set designer went through a lot of work to make it look perfectly. So it looked like it was in the time. It looked like it was after a party. Everything was nice. Everything was awesome. But, but that, that was accurate. I felt like that, right? that felt like a party happened. And they, they showed up one morning to film and the janitor of the building was there saying, oh, you guys should have seen the state of the place the people left it in last night. But no worries. We cleaned it all up for you. <laughs> and here they were getting ready to film. <laughs> And they had to redo everything like in hours instead of this the whole day they spent setting everything up. So, <laughs> but then we have that, a hard cut and yeah, it is a hard cut. Yeah. Cause that's the thing that happens. <laughs> she gets pulled through the, the her, her reflection pulls her through the mirror, but we actually see that from the side. And so we see her disappear sideways into the mirror and it hard cuts to someone falling on the beach, but the person falling on the beach is not this person. It's a different person. Also, it's, you know, on the beach, not a, not a ballroom. Also, it's in the year 1980. When did this come out? Yeah, 87 or so. Whatever, 87. 86, whatever year it was supposed to be. Not 1960. That is the cut. That's just like super fast, yeah. hard cut to a different time period, a different location with different people. Yeah. It's jarring. It yeah. is. That's, that's what I was like, my God, that was a hard cut. That was like, you just cut everything that <laughs> is, cut to a different movie. That is that is the <laughs> hardest cut. The hardest cut I have ever seen in a film. They were just like, whap. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's like, just literally just punched you in the face. He's like, watch this now. And you're like, okay, we're watching this now. All right. Okay. So now we are introduced to our main cast of um, characters, which are. There's three people on the beach that we see immediately. That is a, a girl that is um, that is sunbathing, her boyfriend who is putting suntan lotion on her, and Spud who is also trying to put suntan lotion on her. <laughs> Spud's a creep. Spud's name is Spud. <laughs> uh, he's yeah, the, interesting character names here. We had we had Tom, Rick, and Spud. Tom, Rick, and Spud. So Rick is the rich guy. Is the, I say rich because he's the one that owned the boat. So I assume he bankrolls everything. Uh, he's yeah. he's the, the leader of the party. He's the cool guy. Tom is the person who has a latent homosexual attraction to him. And I think okay, that's almost textual. I'm, it feels I'm glad textual. I wasn't the only one. Yeah, it, does, like, it, doesn't, oh. it doesn't even feel like subtext. It feels just like, no, no, that's what's happening. Yeah. Uh, was you, not mentioned a single time during the director's commentary. And I was really disappointed by that because it right, is because, strongly hinted. Yeah, it's right there. And uh, Spot, <laughs> who is along for the ride. And also Rick's girlfriend and Tom's girlfriend um, are there as well. Uh, Rick's girlfriend is Lee? Lena. Rick's girlfriend Janet. is Lena. Janet. There's Leslie and Janet. Leslie was, Les uh, Les Leslie was a girl that kept trying to bang Tom. And he was like, I want to talk about Rick. Yeah. And then okay. uh, Janet. Yeah. Damn it. Damn it. Uh, Janet. So, yeah. So we start with uh, Rick's girl laying there and Spud's trying to put sunscreen on him. And and they're like, you know, buzz off or whatever they say. Go find go find somebody else. <laughs> and he's like, OK, I will. He and throws a fit like he's all angry. And then it's a cut to uh, 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 um, a montage like scene thing of just like a carnival. 
Yes. So, so within about three minutes, we go from ballroom in the 1960s to beach with teenagers in the 1980s to carnival, in which we could see no one that we recognize for a while. And you're like, yeah. what is going on in this movie? Yeah, that's 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 about right. <laughs> I think I it's was supposed wondering... to be a beachside carnival, but th- th- none of that reads. You're just like, oh, yeah. what we're here now. Oh, we're here now. These are things. And it's interesting because it was filmed on the beach that was right next to this fair, yet it didn't mesh together well from the viewer's point of view. Like it just didn't seem like the like maybe you should have filmed them on the beach with like the Ferris wheel in the background. So we're like, oh, okay. And then let's go over there. And something to give us some sort of narrative like through line. Yeah. I think the, the and then there's a ton of like you said, just establishing shots of the fair like we get it it's a fair but i found out one of the reasons why they did this was the director was basically given keys to the amusement park by the owner the owner just said like he's like hey we want to film here and the owner's like all right here you go here's how you operate the rides here's how you turn those on here's how you do this have at it and just <laughs> just let them have the park so they did a lot of shots uh, they, and then they came back when it was actually open to get like a lot of people walking around and uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, the owner of the park was just like, here you go. Have at it. And he said one of the guys was on like one of the spinning rides mm-hmm. and it was one that was just supposed to go for a little bit. And it's timed. And they let it go for like 10 minutes, just nonstop. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't fault them for that. That would do the same thing in their shoes. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's like, the crew couldn't film because they're all wobbly walking off these rides. <laughs> Amazing. Cause they wanted to use some of the crew and some of the crew's friends to, be there when the actors were there to actually fill in for the rides and stuff. So yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty interesting. <laughs> but speaking of spinning around, what do we get now? Okay. So like when we finally get back to, to our heroes, they are now just hanging out at the carnival and they're hanging outside of the spinning ride. Other stuff happens, but we're, we're going to focus on what the main thing here is to try to get, get through because this is all set up and they're focused. They're, they're hanging out at the spinning ride. The two, the two girlfriends, they're going to go and get their fortunes read. And and the, uh, the other two guys, they, they, they head out in some indistinct direction, but Spud stays back at the spinning ride. And there's there's a woman in the sp- on, stuck on the spinning ride. And these two, like, biker gang street thug, 1950s greaser-looking motherfuckers are harassing <laughs> this woman. They're, like, like ganged up on the either side of this spinning teacup thing, and they're, like, spinning her, her more with her with, with their hands, and they're not letting her get up, and they're not letting her leave the ride, and they're just keeping her there and harassing her there. And then it cuts to the Cardi running it, who is, like, you know, Boss Hog or some shit. And <laughs> he is also uh, just letting this happen. So that's what's going on. And Spud's like, hey, guys, do you want to come help me? And Spud and Rick run up and try to confront them. And Tom decides to take the breaker out, out the actual ride so that it stops. Here's where it gets interesting. It turns out <laughs> that those two guys and the carny running it are in on it. They're, they might be a carny gang of some kind. Uh, yeah, I wrote them in my notes as carny hooligans. Carney hooligans of, uh, <laughs> and uh, so they chase them all around, trying to beat them up. And in fact, at one point, they just throw they they like do this weird flick with their wrists, and they all come out with uh, chains at the same synchronized time. <laughs> um, yeah, and so they chase their lead characters all through 
the carnival. Um, the guy stopped to snatch the uh, snatch their girlfriends up from the fortune tellers and keep running with them. And they're running with the woman who's being harassed at this point. She's in, uh, along for the ride trying to escape everyone. Uh, by the way, the fortune teller looks at a crystal ball and screams in horror. Um, for no reason it, whatsoever. It, the scene just doesn't frame it as anything. It's terrible. Yeah, the director in the commentary just said, oh, that was a noise. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing my job for me. I was, I was like, yes, yes, it was. <laughs> that, that was all. They then run into a dark ride. Yes. And one of the girls grabs a truck with a, like a Jeep hauling a boat. <laughs> and yeah. he drives into the dark ride. That, that's what actually happens is uh, they, they pick up their car that has the boat and they drive it into. <laughs> yeah, they just drive the fucking car into the dark ride. They just drive it in there and they all get out and they bail. And that's how this movie gets to the next part, which is just insane. Yeah, there wasn't really a lot of. Uh, I mean, it wasn't a lot of things meshing together very well. I mean, you mm-hmm. might be surprised to hear that um, there was actually three writers on this film and two of them have never written anything before and have never written anything after. <laughs> that really? might have surprised you. <laughs> Absolutely the, shocking. And the the, uh, the Carney hooligan guys were all stuntmen that they just decided to have them come in and act. So that's <laughs> why they got those guys. <laughs> Yeah, this whole scene of chasing around the carnival and all this stuff just felt like some weird failed Beatles movie. Like it was, yeah. Well, weird. There, it reminds me of a different movie. (laughs) All right, so so uh, there's a point I do want to get across. Uh, One, this is extremely convoluted way to start this movie, and it's going to get worse. Um, The next thing that happens is it cuts to them actually on the boat, and it's everyone plus the new the new uh, woman they just picked up, and they. Are who is an American, by the way? As, yes, as an all English movie. This is the one American actress, and they're just in the water, and they're having. And Spud is now abs- aggressively hitting on the woman that they quote unquote saved. So I'm sure she regrets getting in a boat with them after everything. Else. <laughs> um, in fact, she will continue to regret that decision. And they have a fight with uh, Tom about whether or not Spud can steer this boat. And Spud's like, of course I can. And then he steers directly into a rock and uh, breaks a hole in the boat and it start and it, it sinks and they all swim for the nearest land, which is an Island. Yes. I've gotten all this right. The grand Island. Okay. <laughs> so the idea of a bunch of kids partying on vacation who stop by at a carnival and get their fortunes read or who, Let's, let's let's streamline that because that's that's the wrong that's the wrong sequence. The idea of a bunch of kids on vacation who pick up a new a new girl and then get on a boat and have their fortunes read, only to have misfortune on that boat and and wind up on an island where bad things happen, is also the plot of the Italian cannibal movie Anthropophagus from nineteen seventy. All right, I have never seen that one. Uh, right. It's a lot. <laughs> But uh, this is yeah, the, sounds like this it. movie is not even close to what that movie is doing. But that setup is startlingly similar, and I'm like, huh, they've seen this film. <laughs> but from there, they're on the beach, and I'm going to pass the mic over to you in just a minute. But um, they're on the beach. They start climbing up 
the rocks at the beach and there is a, a skull, a cow skull, but a skull. And then they're in the woods on top of the rocks walking <laughs> and they one of them gets their legs snagged on rusty barbed wire and they keep walking and like i feel like god should have given them a sign oh wait he did because slightly to the right where they could all see it was a sign that said danger enter you at your own risk and they still keep going well, what other choice do they have <laughs> walk around I mean, the island a just little a... <laughs> I, I, yeah I mean, maybe that would help um uh, yeah they just it, it, they just happened to find this uh this abandoned little house here and that that was in uh or that the hotel was actually a house that was abandoned and just owned by the by the city so they you know they just talked to the people made some money and it wasn't that far from where the fair was this little island off to wherever it was so they just they they completely decked it out and uh, made it look like a hotel mm -hmm. like they they put a desk in there they put you know they they had all this stuff and it was just this gigantic house with rooms everywhere. So they're like, yeah, let's make it a hotel. I think a lot of this movie was really done um, with what they had on hand. And I think the story changed based on what they were able to do. <laughs> like they found this abandoned house and they were like, we could do a movie about a hotel and let's write that in. Like it, it seems to me very, very pieced together instead of a one cohesive writings. Well, right. Because what happens next is they find this hotel on this Island and it's all decked out for fucking new year's Eve. But if you do what you will have noticed at this point leading up to this is that, um, the 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 actual events of the movie that it's 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 bright it's sunny there's no snow it's not new year's eve in fact when the character says at this moment it's in the middle of july there's a new year's eve movie start takes place in july but this hotel was abandoned on new year's eve and that's why it's called bloody new year and that's so stupid but uh it's <laughs> and the movie actually there's a lot of christmas decorations yeah there's too. a lot of christmas, christmas trees and this is where the movie starts proper because now they're going to be terrorized by goats in a haunted hotel it is a movie right. about teenagers slash college kids getting harassed by goats at ghosts harassed by ghosts not goats that would be a that might be a better that, movie yeah, actually it would be. <laughs> they're running around just being harassed by the goats. bleatening <laughs> but they're they at a hotel so i feel and we get here at the 20 minute mark and i feel like there was a more efficient way to write this than beach kids get harassed by carnies and then set sail and have their boat uh, sank and wind up on a deserted island which also happens to have a haunted hotel they could have just gone to a haunted hotel how much more yeah. efficient is that <laughs> but they had access to a fair and they had a they got a boat from a guy who said they they could sink it he was willing to sink his boat for the film. And then he changed his mind at the last second. I was like, no, 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 don't sink it. <laughs> but uh, I think a lot of, that's why I said, this was all just playing with what they had. If they found something, they could access something. They're like, cool, let's write that into the film. Uh, that's, it, it, that's the only thing that makes sense about this thing. If you think about it. And of course, being a quote unquote horror movie, um, What's the first thing you do when you have six people find an abandoned old hotel? Yeah, people need to start fucking. Yes, you, you split up in three different groups and 
<laughs> they always we had uh, the same idea, but in different ways. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm sorry. I was being a bit of a Tom there. Because <laughs> yeah, Tom and Leslie go to the basement and um, uh-huh. Rick and Janet go upstairs and Spud and the girl he is harassing go uh, to a, a room, uh, like a den kind of sitting area. Yeah. Everyone is wet from having swam to shore. So they decide to get dressed in the clothes that are just at the hotel. And then fuck mm-hmm. in those clothes, which is interesting. Um, and then uh, Leslie tries to jump Tom's bones and he's not having any of it. Instead, he literally talks about Rick in the middle of it. So I'm telling you, it's not <laughs> subtext. And I think they should have delved into this more. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, you you go with or she said something like, oh, you go if Rick called you. And he said, yeah, you would, too. <laughs> something like that. A, okay. a much less eloquent version of a, of um in cabaret when um peter o'toole mm-hmm. and um i don't remember peter o'toole's character's name I, shocking to everyone but like but <laughs> lies is playing sally Bowles, and um you know they're talking and she's like well i'm fucking so and so uh the, this rich dude and he and peter's like well so am i <laughs> great line i think they were going for that and just didn't have the 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 the, uh, the chops to pull it off here yeah yeah they definitely backed down on that one a little bit so yeah so when we got we've got kind of everyone kind of scattered off and doing their thing um there's uh there's a couple of little things that happen like she's reading a mag uh, one of the scenes uh, okay so here's the reading it a- if you were making a haunted house movie what mm-hmm. what scary thing would you have them do? Would you have like I don't know, wind blow or door shut or like something walk across the mirror, something tangible, right? Uh, any anything like that, right? Yeah, right. Do you think a magazine flipping closed is also <laughs> scary? Well, see, here is what he was trying to show us, the viewer this was our first hint that everything was stuck in a time warp. So everything that they were doing was being warped back to how it was before they were doing it. I mean, I didn't see anyone so jump to the left the or step to the right. <laughs> I, that also would have been a better movie. <laughs> uh, and it is. And it is. Um, so yeah, they, that was his first thing, like hoping that viewers would catch on to it being like things warping in time and things changing and, don't think it came off no because you didn't give any context you're like all you did was shut the catalog people are watching what they assume is a horror movie they're trained to view it in context as ghosts like to to, yes so okay everyone here we're at the i don't know my computer crashed we're at the 30 minute ish mark of this recording i think and we're also about the 30 minute mark of the movie i'm going to tell you what what the grand secret is because we keep because we already said it uh, this is not a movie about ghosts. This is a movie about a time loop, an evil time loop that is also about ghosts and zombies yes. and carnies, but all, p- primarily an evil time loop, <laughs> but with ghosts and zombies right. and carnies. And um, the thing is, you you would you, there's no way to read time loop from a magazine closing itself. You need some sort of framing to tell you how to watch this movie, right? Like when you when you watch *Malignant*, uh, there is and you should. And you should. The movie opens with what is essentially just like 
a Batman comic shot of Arkham Asylum from the coast. It's just this nightmare. <laughs> asylum. And then you walk into like the blood soaked ravages of what has happened here. This experiment or, you know, quote unquote, whatever. I'm not spoiling this movie has gone wrong. And um, there's a patient that's having an issue that they, has resulted in a lot of death. And so what happens is they then uh, like there's bodies everywhere and the, the 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 lead doctor she looks straight at the camera right down the middle and says to you the audience it's time to cut out the cancer and then it immediately goes to a 90s music video aesthetic for the credits so the movie has told you how to watch this film it is insane and yes. over the top comic book um yes so like it's giving you some sort of framing or you could watch something that has foreshadowing that would tell you like textually what is happening. Either of these things happen. Things just happen in this movie. Stuff just happens. And you're supposed to try and piece together a story out of it retroactively. Yeah, because the little spoiler that you just did there really does not get talked about. I I, I made a note and we'll get there when we get there. But it's in, it's like the last 15 minutes of the movie the last, where they finally tell you. It's the last 10 happening. minutes. And... The bad guy, <laughs> one of the one of the monsters, quote unquote, looks at the camera and says it through exposition. Yeah, which what you can't have, you can't have <laughs> ghost zombies from the past monologue the plot of the film. That's not how this works. <laughs> to quote the fucking commercial with the Facebook lady, that's not how any of this works. What is going on here? <laughs> well you see it's a poem a song of death that movie is better <laughs> that movie is better than this all right so the the director was inspired um for this movie by uh by this scottish island that was quarantined uh due to science and military experiments gone wrong was what he said so i looked into it and uh, i believe he's talking about uh, and i'm probably gonna butcher the name it's uh gruinard island which was used by the British government to test anthrax uh, and anthrax bombs and on the animals and to see how they'd react to them. And uh, due to the, and this was in 1942. Uh, so, and due to the sheer amount of anthrax they used, that Island was quarantined for 48 years <laughs> before they dumped a bunch of formaldehyde on it in like 86. And then finally in 1990, they were like, okay, it's clean. There's no more anthrax after nearly half a century. And that was your history lesson of the day. See, you learn things um, from this show. You know, we try to be educational. We make you sit through some garbage movies, but you learn something. God, I hope no one tried to watch this with us. This is a bad one. Um, so... Uh, so this is this is when everyone's splitting off and doing their thing. Janet just decides to just take a bath. Uh you know, they're walking through this hotel and they, they can't find anyone there. She just takes a bath. Um, you know, you get a couple little creepy things. Which, which, which I around. guess maybe that should be telling you that something's wonky about time. Because if this is an abandoned hotel, why would the water work? Or if it did, why would it be usable? Because it should be like dirty and covered in rust or dirt or gunk at least. Uh, something. Yeah, because yeah. those pipes haven't been used in 20 odd years. Right. You would think that they would burst if you tried to use the fucking things. Something, yeah. And speaking of pipes not being used, so this is when the Tom and Leslie scene happens at the snooker table. 
she <laughs> she literally tells him, I wonder what it would be like to do it on a snicker table. And he's like, we need to find out what's going on with the power first so we're not all stumbling around in the dark as he continues to play snooker. <laughs> in a perfectly sunlit room. Right. I'm like, you, you, yeah, you got time. You got time, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Go for yeah, it. it. It's okay, Tom. You don't have to do this, but you got to you got to stop. You got to stop making excuses. Just just be honest. with Yeah. Leslie. And this is when I wrote in my notes, pretty sure Tom has the hots for Rick. Yeah, no, because and I'm glad like, you came to the same conclusion. Well, well, like like Leslie in the basement when they go to check on the power, Leslie just pounces on him. And she's literally oh, yeah. on top of him, and he says something about he needs to, he needs to go find Rick. Just like it's <laughs> it's there. It's it's not being juvenile. It's in the film. They wrote it. Yep. Like this is not a this yeah this is not queering the reading. The reading is queer. Is <laughs> Tom likes Rick, and they don't yeah. do anything with it. No, no, this never explored. Bud continues to but then they, they Bud. He sees some fifties ghosts. Yes, but it's just oh yeah, playing the this. So this is the actual band Cry No More that was playing all the music in this. That was playing music that didn't actually sound like it was from the sixties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, and he's just walking around. He he sees them, and the um, the idea behind that was that time was just kind of jumping back and forth, and we were supposed to realize that somehow. And and I mean, you're watching this, you're just thinking, oh, ghost band or something. Yeah, like again, they've given yeah. us no reason to think that there's anything besides ghosts. Everything that we've done says ghosts. Nothing says right. time travel because time travel is not a horror movie plot. Time travel is a sci-fi plot, and this movie is called Bloody New Year. Not and New there Year's is a flux. skeleton on the cover of the damn box like, with a yeah with a party favor in his mouth. Yeah, there's like the cover of this movie looks kind of hokey but kind of cool. Yeah, the cover of the movie is uh, you fun. know skeleton with eyeballs, but it's like this. <laughs> what happened? What happened? So yeah, um, so Tom tosses Leslie off of him because you know ew girls, and um, he lights a candle and then finds a fuse and fireworks go off. Uh, somehow in a box. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then they all meet up talking about random stuff that happens. Uh, there's a vacuum cleaner that's just moving and going around down the stairs by itself, which again, we're thinking ghosts, but it turns out that the power just got turned back on. So the vacuum cleaner starts and it's going. I thought it was a cameo by the guy from Brave Little Toaster. You know, the vacuum cleaner that dies. Oh, don't make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Damn that movie. That movie and Fox and the Hound will just get me. Oh, every time. I can't do Fox and the Hound. No, that's just brutal. Book is worse. <laughs> anyway, I don't. I don't. Let's go back I don't to think the author had ever met a child before writing that book. Oh God, I never read the book. I probably never will because um, that's just sh- a pain I don't need. That's like when Jurassic Park or Bark mm-hmm. shows up on the Futurama. I skip it. I'm like, nope, don't need that. We're just, we're just. I've seen it. It's much I'm worse. Good. I don't need to watch mm-hmm. it again. Oh God. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Yeah. No, I'm good. Uh. <laughs> uh so anyway. We're getting to we get to the TV station. This is the first time we actually get a slight mention of something. Yeah, there's a TV station. I don't actually know what they said. It's some. They were. It's just. It was very backgroundy, and they were talking about yeah. radar bending light, and it kept zooming into the TV station. Like this is important. You should pay attention. But we have no clue why we should be paying attention and what we're paying attention for. Mm-hmm. It's just like okay. Well, also, it's like, like I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's still not shot in a way where 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 it draws attention to the TV. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's like zooming in, but like, like the TV is never the focus on anything. 
I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 weird. I don't know. Anyway, they go they go they find a bar and then they find a little movie theater playing a movie called Fiend Without a Face, which was actually a real movie that came out in 1958, so it kind of worked out well. Cool. With the timeline. And I think this is your favorite part of the movie. Yes. Because uh, Spud. Because Spud dies. <laughs> I didn't like Spud at all. Um, I just kind of wanted, not in an actionable way, but definitely in a passive way, to murder him. So I was glad that somebody <laughs> did it and that it wasn't me. You you wanted to jump into the movie and kill him. Yeah. But he was watching a movie where a character jumped out and killed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, killing him just included, just, just, uh, re- consisted of jumping on him and then scratching his face which was enough yeah and then they started talking about burns oh he was all burnt up and i'm like no he got a face now, i will say <laughs> that janet is playing a convincibly like terrified person in fact maybe one of the most convincing roles of someone who's like actually distraught about something because you can't understand a fucking word she's saying Oh no! She just screams and runs. That's great. <laughs> she just runs everywhere. She's totally intelligible. <laughs> she's totally together, uh, unreasonable, and I, I feel like it's a believable thing. It's not very cinematic, but it is believable. No, I should just do a Janet running supercut. Because <laughs> a lot of this movie is actually just running. So she runs off yeah. into. The- but this was this was thirty nine minutes into the movie, and this is our first kill yeah. at thirty nine minutes. So she, yeah, exactly. That's the problem because this movie is an hour and twenty, right? You have a skeleton on the front of your movie poster, literally halfway through, and you wait thirty nine minutes mm-hmm. to kill somebody, and it's definitely not worth it. I mean, but Rick chases after her. They run off into the woods. Tom and Leslie decide they're going to explore and see if they can get to town and get help. Because Spud is dead and they want to try and get help back to deal with his body, I guess. And do we know the American girl's name? Carol. And Carol's. I had to write it down. <laughs> our new friend Carol decides to just wait on the swings for Rick and Janet to get back. Right. And this is the part of the movie where I spaced out entirely. <laughs> now i will so they, i will tell you what happens next what as i remember it everyone runs All around right. the island and also there is uh there is the ruins of a burnt out house and also an invisible plane crashes and then for some reason they run back to the house yeah that does happen but there was something that happened in between when when tom and leslie are going to um to try to find the phone, they walk into that one building and she's attacked by a by a net that just kind of flew at her with little. Oh yes, little that is true. She's attacked by a net. spikes in it and a sneaky little rope. And then Tom takes an axe and cuts her free. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to get something off the table, and the table becomes a living creature and attacks her. This reminded me of a poster. So for I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it looked like a swamp thing almost. And again, the director said this was they wanted to to show you that um, this experiment that affected time also affected matter. And that's why the matter was able to come to life and the table was able to come to life and be a person and try to kill her. Huh. I liked the effect of the table monster, but I didn't like it didn't belong in this movie whatsoever because nothing else changes the matter or anything. It's just bizarre. But that's why that was there. Um, 
And then he takes a harpoon and stabs it. And he, as he stabs it, it's like a reverse shot of it turning back into a table, which is kind of cool. Worked out well. Yeah. And then before they do find that blown up building, um, is this weird scene where they hear a bunch of laughter when Rick and Janet are just walking around in the woods mm-hmm. and they, they hear people laughing all over the place and they hear planes going by and the glasses clinking, but there's nothing visually there. And then they run off to the beach and you see footprints like appearing and disappearing in the sand. So it's like there's people there, there's things happening, but you can't see anything. Huh? Yes. Interesting idea. But I, I, again, it's like nothing fit. I don't, <laughs> I don't see how anything meshes with itself. I agree. It's just all, like you said, piecemeal and just thrown together. Yeah. And they, they found that blown up building. This was just a building that the director found again, thinking that's just write this in because here's a building. They, they're like, we don't know who it belongs to. We don't know who to even talk to, to get rights. So we're just going to film here huh. and just do it. And they just filmed there and it worked. And it's, I think they just wrote a scene around that, which is why this whole movie, I, I guarantee was just written on the fly. You know, I've seen better movies written on the fly though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the director also wrote it, and he hasn't written a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but that's a story for a little bit later. So we go. Um, we get a couple of really weird, out of place scenes. Uh, like uh, Carol sees the maid. There was a ghost maid earlier. We forgot to mention, but Carol sees her again, and. Um, she runs off into a building and all of a sudden snow starts blowing out at her. Like she's in a big snowstorm. Yes. I, I, they, they rented a snow machine. They wanted to do the snow machine. Um, it didn't really fit. The snow machine broke on them and they still decided to go with it anyway. And just bought some of that canned stuff that you use on Christmas trees to just spray her with. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, you didn't need that scene. And you could put a lot of work into it. Uh, well, then she runs her yeah. way out the, uh, back out the other door in that building. And she opens it. And lo and behold, it's the carny. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was just out of the blue. The carnies uh, must have came back. Mm-hmm. And then R- Rick <laughs> and Janet and Leslie... Yeah, when Rick, Janet, Leslie are, are, oh no, Rick and, sorry, Carol find, finds him and says there's something wrong with Tom. Uh, and Leslie's like, you got to come back to the cabin. Uh, you know, she brings him over there. And Rick just goes and opens a door and it just goes right off a cliff. <laughs> and that was a real, real door that they built. And he's really hanging over the cliff with no safety harness or anything. And it's like a 40 foot drop onto those rocks. And he's just like, eh, I'll do it. Why not? <laughs> and just had fun. I think Kim and the guy who get hit his grease to have the chainsaw cut around him from a blind, um, uh, from a blind position should get together and not work again, or take yeah. a safety class. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's when they race out the door, and then out pops the the dude from the carnival, and it's a terrible fight scene. Yep, absolutely terrible. It's just- it's it's horribly shot. It's just like there's shots where it's just directly like your Rick, and then the guy's about to punch you, and then it cuts to the shot of the guy punch. It's just it's just very 
very oddly put together. But then Leslie steps in. Yeah. And uh, the carny punches her in the stomach. But he punches straight through her stomach. Because she is dead. <laughs> and it pans back up to her face and she's got a zombie face now. It's like like half gross skull, half Leslie. It's just really bad makeup is what it is. It's like this weird ash stuff all over her face. And a kind of cool haircut. And then she kills the carny. I don't know if she kills that one right away. No, she throws him out the she throws him out of the window. Or yeah, so he falls down. Yeah. But I don't know if he ever I don't remember if he comes back. I don't think he, he does. does not. No. We'll just consider him dead. All right, fine. Fuck him. He's dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Leslie is also apparently dead, which I thought was a pretty good twist. Mm-hmm. Um I you know it was not explored enough. The makeup was terrible. Um I but it was it, it, interesting the way to to put that, it's like it's like Scooby Doo. If all of a sudden Daphne just turned into a, a zombie, you're like, oh yeah. shit! All right, we're doing this, huh? All right, but yeah. So, um, uh, look. So here's where I had a real big problem with the movie because we got the carnies on the island now, right? Yeah. So these carnies were upset that they stopped them from harassing this woman on the ride. Mm-hmm. They were so upset that they chased them around the entire carnival. Mm-hmm. They've already destroyed. Uh, their dark ride because a boat with a jeep went through mm-hmm. it. Uh, they, they and then they went and took a boat and followed them to this island to just let them just let them go. Yeah. You you should have a backup fuse for your little spinny ride. Just pop it in there and let it go. It's okay. This is the worst road rage ever. So bad. Uh, as they're running to the mansion, they realize that there are two other carnies who have inexplicably followed them by boat and their idea is to try and get through the woods quick enough to get back to the mansion so they don't see the carnies my idea would be to try to find the carnies boats and get the fuck off the island yeah well they do think of that eventually yeah but that takes it takes a while to get there yeah (laughs) they're like at the end of the movie before they go oh yeah there's a boat uh so they, they they run back to the mansion and it is wild because almost immediately the other carnies show up in the most insane ways possible. <laughs> so Janet and Carol are in Janet and Carol are downstairs in like the kitchen bar area. Rick is upstairs making sure no one snuck in. This is what happens. One of the carnies breaks through the wall of the back bar. Break, bust through the tile and all, and just start swinging a butcher knife. <laughs> yes. Yep. I think, I think Jay, the other I think, one. I think Carol like takes care of him. Uh, the other one, uh, Rick is upstairs, and the other one somersaults through an upstairs window. Yes. Tumbles to his feet and is ready to fight Rick. Yes. These are the most insane characters who have ever existed in any movie <laughs> in any capacity. And they just make a hell of an intro. Dude's still got blood on his head from the carnival ride. So this whole time they spent taking the boat over, he never bothered to even just wipe his forehead off. No, yeah. he's still, still got the same amount of blood on the whole way through. It's insane. Yeah, um, I don't know why you never... I mean, you'd think it'd just get in your eyes and you'd drip it or whatever, mm-hmm. but... We don't but, have to worry about him for very long. No, because through the... Um, you're right, actually. Carol takes care of the guy downstairs and then goes upstairs to try and find Rick. And then this happens to Carol. But 
what but who should um who should um come to her rescue but through one of the ceiling medallions busts the zombified leslie and she grabs the carney from while she hangs upside down and then floats to the ground while holding him and just like murders him yeah like twists his head over and over and over again like the director said he wanted to go for like uh, more of a comedy effect when it came to the murders. I'm like, well, you don't, why, why, Because his director is insane. <laughs> he he's really never is. seen a horror movie. He, he's <laughs> he, he has never seen a horror movie in his life. He saw a spooky episode of the Looney Tunes and said, "I know what a horror movie is." Yeah, um, that'll work. <laughs> but like geography wise, I'm not exactly sure how things pan out oh yeah yeah okay so she goes running down the stairs and we get that cool uh thing at the bottom of the stairs that weird duck looking evil mm-hmm. goose whatever the hell thing the that vul- was the, so yeah the, the like, vulture, vulture head thing yeah, yeah there's there, there's a there's a vulture like head on <laughs> oh there's a vulture head on the banister and it turns and just like watches onto her wrist but um, Leslie is coming for her and she can't get out because the vultures got her and Leslie's coming. But no fear. Rick found a shotgun upstairs and shoots Leslie in the stomach. Yep. And zombified Leslie stomach explodes and then blows. It makes a, it, it basically it's like a death fart. Like the thing just, which is like, I think it was supposed to symbolize like evil wind or like, but like, I don't know. It, it feels, it feels like <laughs> you, you like detonated a whoopee cushion inside this person's stomach. It's weird. And that, that doesn't affect her, but so he shoots again and shoots her in the heart. And that somehow kills the dead Leslie. Mm-hmm. And then he just decides to take the butt of his gun and just rip her arm off. Which he could do with a gun. <laughs> which i'm like okay that's rather okay all of it was weird none of it Don't. made any sense oh and then um then then they, they take a knife and chop off the vulture head off the off the stairs and they free they free um i thought it was, i said carol but it's janet. janet yeah and um then the head grows back yeah goes back to it was because it was at the time loop again that we still don't understand it hasn't nothing's been told to us about a time loop, but we're just supposed to understand it. Mm-hmm. But here's where they finally um, think that if the fair guys are here, they might have a boat. So then they decide to go looking for the boat. But then Tom comes running back and saying, Oh, Leslie, Leslie, look out for Leslie. And they're like, Oh shit. Leslie must've attacked him and he ran off and he's safe. And... Mm-hmm. But no, but, Tom's so, zombified uh, too. Yeah. So Janet stays with him. Tom, Rick and Carol run off to find the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, which is odd because Janet's usually the one running off everywhere, but whatever. Yeah, but um, away from things, not toward things. This is true. So, uh, yeah, Rick is running around. Uh, they find this wooded area with little glass mirrors hanging all over the place. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Uh, then they see a, a plane crash, and they actually got actual actual plane parts from some like abandoned plane graveyard. They just shipped them over to them. They're like, here, use this. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the, there's a plane crash with the radio going off. It said something about Operation Mirror, and yes. she holds up a mirror and she sees the reflection of the pilot behind her. Yes, and, <laughs> and 
And then Rick just hits the pilot and he just blows up because his head was made of dust. They made him out of dust, compacted dust, so that when he got hit, it would just explode. Yeah, so it's 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 kind of coming down to the end here. I do I do have one clip coming up that I, I, I'm, we're interested to see if you can guess the answer to it. But um, yeah, they make their way to the beach. They see the boat, uh, and then we get back. We cut back to Janet, and here's where we see Tom turning evil. And she tries to run. She like pushes a Christmas tree over on him, and and we get our first like actual like bloody scene in the elevator. Right. So Janet's in the elevator, and she gets absorbed into the elevator. Well, first Tom's trying to get her, and so she's like slamming the door on his hands, and it like mm-hmm. cut one of his hands. He's got blood all over, and then the elevator starts to rise up, and it actually like just like rips his whole arm off. Kind of cool. Yeah. I think this was like the most redeeming part of the movie for me, at least. Um, but yeah, yeah then I she gets in the elevator. elevator. Oh yeah, she, she she pushes the button and it just mushes in like Play-Doh, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you see this arms come out from behind her in the elevator and just grab her and pull her in. Yeah, and they're cool. trying to get to her and they just can't. Yeah, do you and do you want to do you want to take a guess as to what they used in the back of the elevator to cause that effect? Tapioca. No, I got the director here to tell you. Uh, before they basically. What you use from that is a, a, a giant condom. It is, you, you get it from the <laughs> Jurex people. They're actually the material that they make condoms with is actually manufactured in great sheets. And uh, so it's very useful. I've used it, it's been used, I should say, on a number of films. <laughs> so it was a giant condom, basically. <laughs> it's stretchy, so, it works. Yeah, you know, you got to protect your actors. Yes. <laughs> And she kind of disappears into the elevator. So we, there, you know, we think she's gone. Uh, the last hooligan who had Ace, I think that was his name. He comes in the kitchen and then all sorts of just random shit happens in the kitchen. This whole scene is just chaos. The rest of this movie does not exist to me. It's all chaos and I have n- no way of parsing it. <laughs> yeah, it's like the water's running. The stove is shooting flames out. The yeah. Carney hooligan guy falls into a a boiling pot and then blood starts squirting out of it. It's just pandemonium. It's it's just crazy. It's all over the place. And, but like basically what happens is it's your climax. It's all the excitement that should have happened through the movie is happening now. And Rick mm-hmm. and uh, Carol are fleeing everywhere and they wind up in the ballroom and who should be on stage, but undead Leslie. Mm-hmm. And she looks at them and tells them the exposition of the time loop, which is that the government had pioneered some sort of new weapon that could, in her words, shatter time itself. Yes. And what happened was the plane crashed and blew up on this island. And it's just fucking time up here forever. Right. And there's 10 minutes, like you said, 10 minutes left in this movie. And they're just now telling us this. Yeah, again, from the mouth of the zombie. This should have been end of first act material. It should have been scattered (laughs) throughout the entire film. Newspaper clippings, stories. Oh, I heard about this place that disappeared or some shit like that. You know, like everyone disappeared at the Grand Isle and then it had to shut up uh, for the seasons and it never reopened. And uh, people used to live there and something terrible happened. And, oh, I've heard about a conspiracy in the garden. Like, like, Like there should have been world building lore stuff scattered in to make this a functional story mechanic and not just yeah sure fuck it 
Yeah, and then you get you kind of get the sense where they're not really sure what they even want to do with this movie at this point because it's just just stuff happening all over the place, and then all of a sudden a bunch of random zombie people just show up in a room, and then they like hop on a snooker table. And I can and... hear just and I can hear Janet saying, "I'm looking for trade." <laughs> so and and then they they hop on this little pool table, snooker table, we want to call it, and it's like spinning around and spinning around, and then it spits them out of the window. I thought, I thought for sure, and I think this would have been a more awesome scene, is if when they were on there, it kind of looked like they were on a carnival ride as they were spinning around on this pool table. How cool would it have been if it cut, like as soon as they got tossed out of the window, it was them getting tossed off of a ride at the fair, and this it was like another thing to mess with them and mess with their head. But that's just, that would have been, I think. Yeah, it would have been interesting, at least. <laughs> Yeah. What so what happens is they 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 escape the house and they run like mad for the boat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's more chaos, but that's what they're doing, and they they Rick is pushing the boat out with Carol in it, and all of a sudden he just sees Janet on the the beach calling for him, and she seems normal, and he's like, "Oh, it's Janet! I should go to her," and Carol says, oh, "No, don't do that," and he's like, no, "I'm gonna." Yeah. And then he uh, he sinks into quicksand. Yes. Well, he starts to, but then the carny comes around with a fucking weed eater, <laughs> or a boat boat. I wasn't sure what that was. It was a boat but... propeller. Yeah, you're right. It's this big circular yeah. blade. It's a boat propeller, and this is the problem with the movie because they they're moving the propeller slowly to his face, and then they cut away at the last second so you don't see him get his face cut off. And I'm like, come on. The director Please. did want to show that, but they made him edit it out. Oh, because it's England. Yeah. So oh, it was supposed England. to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> so Video he really wanted it. But, uh, yeah. The one redeeming part of this movie. Yeah. And he got, it got cut out. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, uh, it's just Carol by herself on the boat. And then she just gets pulled underneath the boat, and yeah, she sinks into the boat. The, like, and she yeah. winds up in a black space, and she walks towards it, and she's on the other side of the mirror, looking out into the ballroom. And in the ballroom, it's everyone that's been like time warped and killed, but they don't look like zombies anymore. They look like normal people, and they're just having the time of their life at this New Year's Eve party in 1960, as if it's the end of The Shining. But Carol, who got the closest to leaving is stuck on the other side of the glass for all eternity. And it freeze yeah. frames on her like, somebody help, and freeze frames and rolls credits. And I'm like, you know, she got the really short end of the stick. This movie fucking hates Carol. She got it harassed just... by Carnies, harassed by Spud, and then she gets trapped in for all eternity with no one to connect with. And you're like, what did Carol do? Yeah, Usually just... in horror movies, somebody has like transgressed <laughs> to earn this kind of a punishment. Right. Yeah, I think they just uh, they just hate Americans. They're like, we're just gonna make her oh, suffer. Right. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and that's that's the end of the movie. That was it. That's it's where the weird ending. It made me reconsider whether or not we should be letting the British make horror films. <laughs> yes, but there are a few good ones out there. All of the Hammer horror movies, Hellraiser. Yeah, you pointed out Hellraiser, and I'm like, yeah, of course, my favorite movie, Hellraiser. Or one of my top favorites. So I got a little bit of info about the about the director himself. Um, Did he direct cat food commercials prior? (laughs) No, but he has 
He directed films uh, dating back to 1963, but this was actually his last full-length film he ever directed. Uh, he did a couple shorts between 2007 and 2014, uh, and that was about it. And he he did just pass away in 2021. But it's it's it, I find it interesting to look at his path of direction because he started making some like early nudie films. Uh, like he did a film called Her Private Hell, which was about a girl who was tricked posing nude for magazines. Um, he did a movie called Satan's Slave. That was a girl that has to live with her uncle who's running some devil worshiping cult. Not to be confused with Satan's Slaves, the Indonesian horror movie. I don't know that one. Oh, we I don't think to, I want we, to know that one. We need to talk about <laughs> Indonesian horror movies. Oh, God. Um, yeah, he also did, he did a couple other movies I'd, I'd want to talk about. One called Prey, which was described as a deadly shape-shifting alien who infiltrates a country house occupied by two lesbians and proceeds to study their behavior for a sinister purpose. What year? <laughs> that was, uh, that would have been late. Uh, I think that was late seventies. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. And then he did another movie uh, called, what was this other one called? Um, I wrote that down here. Spaced out. Um, it's a science fiction sex comedy about sexy aliens that kidnap a bunch of nerdy boys. And it was actually, uh, for the American release of it, they had, uh, that was one of Bob Saget's first acting roles was the voiceover of a robot in there. So that's kind of what he did, which really surprises me because there's no nudity in this movie. Yeah. I did notice that. That's all this guy has done before this basically is all this nudity films, And now it's like, here's this one. And it's, it's like, it's not a, not a nudie cutie movie. It's not a horror movie. It's not like a comedy movie. It's just, I don't, I don't know what it is. You know, stay in your lane. If you've made sex films your whole life, maybe keep making sex films. Just stick with that. It's, you did, you did okay with those apparently. And he, yeah, and there's another movie he did called uh, Inseminoid, which is basically looked like uh, uh, what? Yeah, did he, Horror did Planet. Did he make that movie? Inseminoid. Yeah, he was a director of that movie. He, did, he directed basically. Insem- the, uh, you, you made me watch this movie by the guy who did Inseminoid, and we watched this one. <laughs> I, 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 I don't not... want to watch Inseminoid, but I do feel cheated somehow. Is <laughs> his his other movie that he's uh, well known for, which is a movie that looked like just a. Uh, uh, it's sexy trash. alien ripoff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So that's, that, that. that's that. Yeah, and then um, uh, there there wasn't really anything to mention of many of the actors. I mean, you know, when you go on their IMDb IMDb page and it says known for Bloody New Year, you know you're not getting very far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. With the exception of uh, your favorite man, Spud. <laughs> a, a lot of these guys were on other TV shows, but you know, there's. Not many have made it over here, but I did catch one in particular. Uh, Spud was on this kid's TV show called Henry's Leg. Henry's Leg. Which is a children's television show about a young man, a prosthetic leg, and the treasures stored within. (laughs) I... 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 What? I, I, I don't I don't know what to do with that information, but I feel like I needed to share it because it was just 
I did find like a trailer for it um, or the intro to the TV show. I'll have to send you a link offline about that and I'll post it when we post this. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but that is about that is about it. Um, so, Patrick, this is going to be this is going to be a tricky one. Um, let's see. You've got uh... in a way I brought you here to offer your job. You think you can do it better. So here's your chance. You are allowed, you are forced to change three things and only, only three things to attempt and improve upon this masterpiece. What do you do? So the first thing is we're cutting about 20 minutes of this film. They're going on holiday to a hotel. I liked how you used a proper British, we're going on holiday. It was very nice of you. Maybe we'll make them think that the hotel is still around and still functional. Maybe it's, uh, I'm not sure. But they're going to the hotel and they get there and it's abandoned. It's this abandoned hotel. We still have the original opening of the weird shit happening. But then we cut from that to this. We'll so cut out all the carny shit. Cut out all the boat ride. Yeah, none of that. We don't fucking need any of it. <laughs> this is now a movie taking place in a hotel. All right. You lose a lot of the island stuff, but who gives a shit about that anyway? Yeah, all right. it doesn't really matter. The second thing is, we're going to start seeding the idea of whatever has happened uh, in terms of um, revealed flashbacks, uh, f- uh, foreshadowing, uh, snippets, newspapers, TV articles, uh, legends. They will they will piece together the story of what has happened at this hotel throughout the film like any other horror movie and not have exposition in the last 10 minutes to try and justify everything <laughs> that came before. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Number three, it's fucking ghosts and not time loops. What the fuck are we going to do with time loops? Ghosts, motherfucker. Ghosts in a hotel. Boom. Done. That's the movie. Is it more generic? Sure. Is it better? Yes. Yeah. Apparently it was inspired also by Evil Dead. Um, I I think you're right. The the time looping thing doesn't need to be there whatsoever. I I think the Evil Dead makes sense because clearly, because the zombies come become possessed out of nowhere. Like it's, the possession is very similar to the evil dead. Right. And also right. he said that he wanted to use comedy in his kills. So like, that's a very evil dead type thing to do. Yeah. Uh, the movie just, the, the problem is the the people involved, in the evil dead were talented and also desperate and deranged. And I don't good sense combination. any of those things <laughs> happening here. Right. Like Sam Raimi is hanging upside down from the rafters with the camera to get to get angles. They're cutting yes. they're cutting straight through trees and leaving them on their stumps and then pushing them over as people run past, narrowly crushing, missing, narrowly missing, crushing them. Like it's not safe. Everyone's on edge. Um, but they made the movie, and this is not the environment that they have here, like at all. Um. Also, like Evil Dead is an insane movie, and sure, like it's also not traditional in terms of storytelling for horror. But like, like you can still see how you would get there. It's demons. Okay, cool. Not time loops. Time loops is yeah. weird to make work. It's not saying I'm not saying you can't do it. I am saying if you are doing it, you are doing only it. You can't have zombies, ghosts, and gargoyle fucking doorknobs yes stick to one or the other yeah it's either it's sci-fi or supernatural you can't be both (laughs) unless you're Stephen King 
<laughs> yeah, I think that that's uh, that's that's fairly fairly accurate to say. Um, yeah, also, not my just for the movie. record, I'm having this take place at New Year's. Yeah, um, that was the thing that kind of bummed me out because I did want to find a good movie that revolved around New Year's. Mm-hmm, that wasn't Terror Train. Yeah, and this movie did not. I mean, it was more Christmassy than New Year's because, mm-hmm. you know, there was Christmas trees and everything. And then, I mean, the whole point was there's supposed to be this plane crash on New Year's Eve at midnight or whatever. And it's like, it, it just didn't, it didn't visit. It did not live up to the, to the hype yeah. of the poster and the title. If anyone is listening still and you would like a New Year's horror movie and you have not seen one, Terror Train with Jamie Lee Curtis, go forth and enjoy yeah that that that, that's going to be the better option if you uh have seen it already and you interested in checking out this film um go to tubi and watch it for free Mm -hmm. um if you really want to own it for some reason you can go to vinegar syndrome and buy it yeah i mean some people like torture i don't know not for me uh but anyway that's well, about that that you got any more uh, you got any more questions or anything? I don't have any more answers, but if you have any more questions, I'll listen to them. <laughs> no, no. Um, I I need to turn all the fans back on before I have a heat stroke. But what I will say <laughs> is, Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, we'll we'll catch you. Well, you should have a special episode. Uh, next episode should be kind of a little uh, wrap up one, and then we'll get geared up for season two of this year fine podcast. But if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, uh, please like, subscribe, uh, message us, let us know what you think of the show. Check us out on foundonshelfpod.com or hit us up on any of your social feeds. We're found on Shelf Pod on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. You can email us, foundonshelfpod at gmail.com. Uh, we have a little red bubble so you can buy a t-shirt with our name on it or some stickers or something fun like that. And yeah, let us know what you think of the show and offer any suggestions of movies you'd like to us to uh, check out in the future. Take one boy, take one girl, add a little love and shake it up, shake it up. That's a recipe for romance. That's a recipe for romance. <laughs> I should have warned you that was coming in hot. 